Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It is red across the screen this morning. Markets in turmoil. Asia Pacific markets following Wall Street lower. The losses so far not as bad though. The ASX 200 in Sydney down 2%. Seoul trading 1.3% lower. Tokyo in the red as well. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Ryan Huang, good morning. Happy Friday, Michelle. It's Mother's Day this Sunday. Oh, no. Yes, I thought I'd help you out. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'll try to figure out something out. <laughs> All right, let's start today's market view with the world of sports and F1. Granted, Formula One racing is not usually a topic that I talk about here on the show, but this weekend, the hugely popular international car racing circuit takes to the United States, where it historically has had problems generating interest. Miami's first ever F1 Grand Prix takes place Sunday in a sign that Liberty Media Corp's $4 billion US dollar acquisition of the F1 some five years ago could be bearing fruit. So let me ask you a different question now, Ryan. Are you an F1 fan? I am. So you've got all the action on the racetrack set to kick up a notch over the weekend. Historically, US racing fans actually prefer Grand Prix where cars race in circles. But American viewership of F1 races on ESPN up more than 50% compared with just two years ago and tickets for the race in Miami sold out within 24 hours. Prime seats selling for as much as 32,000 US dollars in secondary markets. That is such an enormous sum. What is Liberty's media secret, Ryan? How did it turn F1's fortunes around in the US? Yeah, when you think about racing in the US, you might think about NASCAR, uh, not really F1, which is relatively newer. So that's where I think Liberty Media has done what people are saying is a pretty good job in attracting interest. And they've done a few things to Americanize it, so to speak. So Mm. come up with TV series on Netflix to just attract attention and build up some fanfare. Uh, Also, a bit of an overhaul on how these events are being um, conducted, like making it more of a Disneyland-like atmosphere. And here is where, for example, at the upcoming Grand Prix in Miami, you might see some sections being uh, decorated quite differently. Like there will be at Turn 7, um, a marina where you have small boats being trucked in and you can sit on those boats and just watch the race. And you've got planks around the boats being painted to look like water. So it's almost like going to Disneyland, you've got pirate land, you've got different spaces. So almost like an amusement park atmosphere of sorts to just... um, will ring in the the psyche of those American consumers. And I think that seems to be paying off. You've got a lot of attention now on uh, what's playing out in the next Grand Prix. And looking at the ticket prices, uh, they have been snapped up quite fast. So the cheapest ticket at $600 uh, was snapped up in 24 hours. And you have prices of tickets going for $32,000 on secondary markets. Yeah, okay, so reality TV and turn it into a, a theme park, so to speak. Bernie Eccleston started building the F1 empire back in the 70s, and I like his analogy. He's once said he's managed F1 like a Michelin restaurant, not a hamburger joint. 
So you need to understand your audience. Now, the M- Miami F1 race is sponsored by Crypto.com. Audi and Porsche are also making plans to enter the circuit, though the details of those deals is not clear just yet. There are three series of Liberty Media F1 shares listed on the market, A, B and C. All three have posted strong double-digit gains over the past year, up about 30 to 50%. So what do you think of the stock, Ryan? Do you think it has a good chance of getting across the finish line first? <laughs> It has a chance. You no, know, you have a chance as long as you're in the race. Um, the thing with all these investments is typically they need upfront capital. So you might not see huge returns um, in the beginning, but it might pay off in the long run as these things start to build up momentum. Uh, those returns might really start to come in. And you have things like the Las Vegas Grand Prix coming next year. So that will be another US race to rake in uh, those monies. And I think with all the TV rights that might be attracted, that could also be another revenue generator for Liberty Media. Next up in corporate news, let's take a look at a major investment overseas and a spin-off here at home. I'm going to start with the investment. It's being made by the former Disney CEO Bob Iger, as well as eBay, the Chernin Group, and the sports agent Rich Paul, who represents high-profile NBA stars like LeBron James. So what are they buying? You might not believe it, but they're taking a 25% stake in a toy company that makes pop culture collectibles like Star Wars-themed bobbleheads. The company is called Funko. What exactly does Bob (laughs) Iger and all these investors see in this. Yeah, for those not familiar with Funko Toys, just imagine something like a bobblehead of sorts. It's very miniaturized uh, cartoon characters with a larger than usual head. That's how I would describe it. And it's very popular among those who collect um, figurines, who are into comics, so that, or in movies as well. So that's something that's a huge market and growing as well as you see movies coming off um, in Hollywood around Marvel cartoons, Marvel comics, and that is fueling a lot of demand for these figurines. And I think that's a big reason why they see a market here um, for an opportunity to invest in. So uh, if you look at Bob Iger, he's quite familiar with the Disney franchises, so he knows what people want. Mm. And if you look at some of the investments that the churning group is in, they do a lot of TV and films as well. So you could potentially see synergies down the road where you have some of their TV series, having Funko figurines. So maybe something we could look out for. Funko shares surged 26% in after-hours trade on the news. And I have to say, if you look at Funko's website, there's some pretty cute items there. I'm coveting the mini Darth Vader collectible on their homepage. Just putting it out there. Do you have a Funko? I don't have one yet. <laughs> so maybe I'll start looking around over the weekend for Mother's Day. It reminds me of those, um, you know, bobbing-headed cats. It does look like that. So I can imagine how much nostalgia it might bring if you just (laughs) you know use all these characters of the past, maybe Captain Planet or Ninja Turtles, this sort of thing. Yeah. The intersection of collectibles and pop culture coming to the fore. Closer to home, we have a sign of corporate confidence in the going out again economy. Thai Bev is resuming its long-delayed spin-off, Beer Co. What's the latest here? Yeah, when it comes to IPOs, it's all about timing. And like you alluded to, Thai Bev thinks it's the right time to do its spin-off again. So it is around what's called Beer Co. And that is uh, its listing of um, is 20% of the Beer Co. unit on the 
SGX. So it's back on again. TIEF says it has received confirmation from the SGX that it has um, an initial no objection letter to continue with the resumption of the proposed listing. And Bioco has three breweries in Thailand and a network of 26 in Vietnam. So it's well positioned to capture that reopening um, transition phase. Taibev shares rose 3.7% yesterday on the news. Okay, I'm going to zoom out now, take a look at broader markets. Stocks took a dive overnight, erasing all of their gains from the previous session and then some. NASDAQ tumbled 5%, the Dow and S&P 500 each fell more than 3%. So what is going on? Big swings like these on Wall Street are not normal, Ryan. Why are investors so unsettled? Yeah, Michelle, what a difference a day makes. Uh, we were talking about a rally yesterday when we had the Fed hike coming through as quite widely expected. No hockey surprises, 50 basis point hikes, um, not 75. So that seemed to spur that rally yesterday. But in a space of 24 hours, things have changed. I think investors starting to question and also sell into the rally. I think in recent years, we've been used to buying on the dips and seeing stocks go up. But it seems like the name of the game has changed. Uh, people starting to sell into the rally. And it was selling across the board. Um, stocks for all 11 sectors, S&P 500, were down, especially tech names. And you also have bonds being sold off. So I think that's the rather unusual side of things where you have not just stocks, but bonds being sold off in a strong fashion. And that helped the 10-year bond yields up above 3% again. So risk off across um, many assets. And one of the things worth watching out for is where the US dollar is going. And Mm. it was up quite strongly, up 1% as I think investors started to move towards that bit of a safe haven space. Um, That is its highest in two years. And conversely, that higher dollar putting pressure on other currencies like the British pound, which is down 2% to its lowest levels in nearly two years. So it's going to be interesting to see how much lower it might get when it comes to this sell-off. Of course, people are starting to question if those higher rates might mean bad news for the economy because businesses will see higher borrowing costs. And when it comes to property buying, people have to factor in the higher mortgage costs as well. Volatility on display in other financial markets overnight as well. Yields on the U.S. government bonds spiked. And as you say, the rate on the 10-year U.S. Treasury notes climbed above 3%. That is its highest level since 2018. Now, as you mentioned, interest rates and monetary policy are front of mind for investors. There's also some worrying news as well from China, where the latest economic data is not looking so good. What's up? Fill us in. Yeah, there seems to be no shortage of worrying news from China these days. Uh, Latest coming through from a data point around the Taixing PMI. So we are looking at the services activity falling at their second sharpest rate on record. So the PMI at 36.2 in April, dropping from 42 in March. And bear in mind, below 50 is contraction. So that, I think, reflects what's been happening in China. Lockdowns just weighing on business activity. And another factor to consider is what the Chinese leaders have been saying. They are reiterating and reaffirming their COVID-0 um, strategy. So that's not great news when it comes to whether things could turn around on that front. 
All right, time for the Elon Musk report. I know you've been waiting for this. The world's richest man has lined up a couple of friends to help him pay for his acquisition of Twitter. He's secured more than seven billion U.S. dollars in new financing. So, who's helping him out, and which names have caught your eye? Yeah, Michelle, guess what? When you're rich. You have rich friends. <laughs> so that's where they are coming in. And $7.1 billion, you've got some help from Larry Ellison. He is the co-founder of Oracle. So he's um, taking some money out of his pocket, $1 billion worth. Also in the list, you've got a Saudi prince, some funds like Sokoa Capital. And I'm looking at the list also including the likes of uh, Vi Capital, $700 million. Binance, a crypto exchange, $500 million. Qatar Holding, chalking up $375 million. Uh, so he's got a lot of help and a lot of money backing his takeover bid. Impressive list of backers. I was looking at Binance's founder and said it was a small contribution to a cause. Interesting how he's phrased it. Now, we also have a report about who will serve as Twitter's CEO once the deal closes. Ryan, who is it? Is the current Twitter CEO Parag Argawal in or is he out? <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone should be surprised. It's going to be Elon Musk. So he wants to run the business at least temporarily. And you have to bear in mind, Agarwal has been only in the job for a few months after taking over from um, Jack Dorsey, the founder, uh, last November. So he didn't really have a lot of time to uh, mark his or stamp his mark on the, the company. So before you know it, Elon Musk could be taking over his seat. And um, that seems to be according to what reports are citing sources. So something that could add to his to-do list on top of SpaceX, on top of Tesla and other hobbies that he might have. So I'm not sure how much time he has to really run Twitter. <laughs> Another interesting twist on the investor front. Saudi Prince Al-Walid bin Talal Al-Saud has done an about-face. At first, he criticized Musk's planned takeover of Twitter. But now he's publicly calling Musk a friend and he's agreed to roll over his stake, which is worth nearly $2 billion US dollars, into a privatized Twitter. What do you make of this? I am trying to figure out what he's um, playing here. So maybe you could say he is just trying to get a sweeter price by initially saying, hey, this is not worth the um, price of Twitter. No, it's undervaluing the right. bid. So maybe he was trying to get him to cough up more. Mm -hmm. So that could be one strategy. Uh, also worth noting, the Saudi prince typically sticks with what he invests in for a long time. So that is part of his, um, well, something that he's in his character. So something to really um, consider when you look at the change in tone in just three weeks from no to yes and maybe Elon Musk is persuasive um, maybe he had a meeting behind the scenes to change his mind so yeah. I'm not sure but that could be some really interesting reasons to think about interesting hypothesis I was looking at Al-Walid's uh, investments for the long run he does have a history of sticking with high profile investments which has yielded mixed results for the prince paying off well in the case of Citigroup not so much with Euro Disney and Fox time for a game of up or down the focus today Singapore listed stocks are you ready Ryan? let's go AEM alright AEM is going to be an up so it's first quarter net profit has more than tripled to 40.8 billion or million dollars, excuse me. 
Yeah, up for me as well on the back of record revenues for AEM in terms of first quarter profits. SIA Engineering. Okay, this is an up for me. So it swam back into the black. Second half earnings rebounded on a right back of Associates tax provisions. Uh, so that lifts the overall year for SIA Engineering. But I think it's worth noting, it's also citing substantial government wage support and it's also warning of risks to its business outlook despite some of early signs of recovery. So, of course, going into the coming years, you won't get the wage support anymore. So something that will have to be factored out. Yeah, good point. Up SIA Engineering's first half earnings are up, up for me as well. Uh, but you've got to keep in mind that it's due in part to a large part to government wage support and that tax right back. ESR logos read, tough one to call. Um, I would go with up. So this is with ESR logos read ending its first day of trading yesterday at 39.5 cents. So that's pretty much unchanged. Uh, I'll go with up because in the backdrop of pretty much down across markets, most markets yesterday, they managed to hold on. Yeah, yes. E-Log Read is the result of a merger between ESR Read and ARA Logos Logistics Trust. It debuted on the Singapore Exchange yesterday, closing up a little more than 1%. Let's turn to Singapore now. We have fresh signs that the local retail environment is improving. After contracting in February, retail sales in Singapore jumped 8.7% in March compared with a year earlier. So what are Singaporeans buying, Ryan? Okay, it might not come as a surprise, but stuff that you might need going back to work. So clothes, footwear, cosmetics, and other stuff includes as well computer and telecommunications equipment, toiletries, and medical goods. So all that helped retail sales rise 8.7% in March, reversing what we saw in the prior month, a decrease of 3.5%. We are currently 21 minutes into the local trading day, 9.21 on the clock. The Straits Times Index gave up early gains yesterday to finish marginally lower. The STI closed down a fraction of a percent at 33.43. What is the outlook like this morning, Ryan? How's the market trading? Yeah, so the STI on a two-day losing streak and extending it now down over 1.3%. 3,298 and pretty much in line with what I've seen in the past 24 hours. Markets under pressure across the region right now and overnight on Wall Street. Now let's take a look at the top losers and winners. We have no winners right now. Everyone's in the red right now. Um, If you look at the bottom of the table, OCBC down 3.5% at 11.92 and is also trading ex-dividend today, followed by UOL down over 2%, also trading ex-dividend and wrapping up the top five, Capital and Integrated Commercial Trust, Dairy Farm and SIA. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang there. Enjoy your weekend, Ryan. Still to come, markets in turmoil. What are the pros thinking? I find out at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.